0: All right, guys, we are back, and this podcast is brought to you by the one and only Smith Game Calls, Buck and Glory, Deer Grunt with Expandable Hose Call. Smith Game Calls gave us a prototype of this call a couple years ago, and we've been using it, you know, every deer season since, and there's just nothing like it. Um, I've had more action with this call than any other grunt tube, and if you guys are looking for a new deer grunt tube, Check out the Buck and Glory from Smith Game Calls.
1: This is the Non Typical Nation podcast with your hosts, Brody Teal and Eric LeBrie. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. Okay, let's get this show on the road. We're back. We are back. And um, it is October 22nd today. Um, it's cold, man. The snow has been flying the last few days. I think it was uh, when we were hunting on the weekend, our waterfowl hunt, it had dropped down to like minus 20 with the wind chill last few days it's been right around that you know in the morning and evening right around that minus 10 minus 15 with the wind chill it's uh it's chilly feels like november
0: it's wintertime. all of a sudden all of a sudden too soon
1: yeah too soon you know it was quite mild in uh in september and then early october and then uh just this past weekend it's like things just did a 360 and now uh yeah, North it was a goal. tough,
0: tough go on our, our goose hunt there.
1: It, it was, was tough. It was pretty chilly. It was tough, yeah. So that last podcast that we released there, um, we did in the hotel room, and that was right after day one. And so, uh, you know, day one was good. We had, uh, it, it seemed like it started off slow, but in hindsight, looking back, that morning hunt wasn't too bad. You know, we had, we had probably... several
0: f- groups of birds coming Exactly, in.
1: exactly. Um... I think what it was is we were just all so cold that we, uh, you know, it didn't feel as good as it really was. Um, but when those birds came in, you know, you forget about everything else. So we left that morning, I think we had five geese we got that morning and then we uh, met back up with the guides, met at a new field where we were targeting ducks and geese. So they had set up a spread for ducks and geese and um, that evening, we ended up getting right around fifteen ducks in total, and then we got uh, a couple of Canada's and one um, speckled belly goose. So that was a that was a good evening. It wasn't great, you know. I know a lot of guys who say they limit out in an hour. It wasn't wasn't like that. Um, but you know, the weather was sort of crap. And well, I think
0: it's important to mention that the weather was, you know, it was the first very cold day. Yeah. And we saw it even in that morning hunt. You know, the birds came in for the first few hours, sort of when they were supposed to. And then after that, we saw them all a mile high, right? Yeah, so the wind
1: was coming from the north, and that's what you see later on in the season. If you got a good north wind, those birds, those geese will just catch that wind and just drive as far south as they can.
0: Yeah, and we saw, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them just flying above us long ways away, right? Not even thinking about landing anywhere.
1: No. No. So that was tough. Um, but yeah, the afternoon wasn't too bad. And then Braden and my dad actually had to leave. Braden had a bit of a, a little emergency there. So the next day it was just me, Tim, um, shooting and then you filming. And, uh, we got out to a field. It was a few degrees warmer. So that morning it was right around about minus 10 is what the truck said. And, um, But But there was no wind. wind. So that was our issue. There was no wind. And, you know, we never thought anything of it. The guides are like, "Uh, this no wind isn't the greatest. But, you know, I thought, yeah, we'll get on to birds. And sure enough, it wasn't an hour, an hour and a half. And we had a, a huge flock of probably 60 birds come in and they just circled over top. And they were over top of us for a few minutes. And then they went and landed a few hundred yards away. So with no wind, what a bird does or what these geese do, sort of like a plane, they land into the wind. Okay, so if you got a good wind, they'll just come in full bore, find where that wind's coming from and they'll land right into the wind. But if you have no wind, what they'll do is they'll just circle over top until they feel comfortable to land and then they'll land. But the issue was they had so much time to circle over top because we had no wind that uh, they seen us, they seen our gear, and they were spooked. You know, we are already into the middle of October. These birds have been hunted now for 45, 50, 60 days. Um, so they're a little more cautious than they are earlier on in the season. And so um, that morning, you know, that happened three or four times. We probably had three, 400 birds come through and uh, not one landed right in front of us. Yeah, it's
0: funny because they just, you know, they landed about 150 yards away, and there's not much we could do, right? They came down, they did what they were supposed to, but with no wind, we, the wind sort of and the decoys together sort of direct them into like a target shooting lane. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there was just none of that.
1: Yeah, no. So they would go land, and then our guide would go run and and try and just get them up, just spook them a little bit. And the reason why we did that is so, you know, when more birds come, they don't go land with those ones, but, um, they just continued to land in different spots of the field and it just wasn't working out. So, um, took a little break from the morning and then we got back out into the same field that we hunted the evening before. And, uh, you know, we had still not much of a wind. We had a little more of a breeze. But uh, I don't know what the hell happened then. Like, the ducks just weren't coming in. And we had a few geese come from behind us. And uh, I think they noticed you as they were coming in to land. And we just, I think our gun missed, both guns misfired on, like, the second shot. And it just, you know, the second day was just a tough, tough day. I think that evening I got one duck and that was it. Yeah, it was pretty quiet night. Yeah, it was a killer, Ben. And, um, you know, that's just the way she goes. So that's hunting, you know. Yep. I talked to, to Joel, and the next day they had a group out, and in the morning they got 13 geese and 13 ducks, and then they, uh, you know, they, they filled the remainder of their tags in the evening. So that's just the way she goes. And the thing with, uh, with waterfowl hunting is you might have 400 geese in a field one evening and plan to hunt there the next morning, but they might be, you know, uh, two fields over you just uh you never know right that's that's hunting it's not uh it's not a, not I never is a gimme um so that's just the way she goes you accept it and uh and just try and stay positive for the most part right
0: yeah well i loved every minute of it just being out there and seeing a whole new style of doing things for sure i never experienced waterfowl hunting at all before so to go see it and especially you know, some professionals that really know what they're doing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they had the birds coming in. They basically said, you know, the birds are going to come from this way. They're going to circle you. They're going to, you know, turn a turn a tight turn and come right in this lane and shoot them. And uh, that's basically when the birds did come in. That's what, exactly what they did.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what they told us that first morning. They said, they're going to come from your back. And, um, you know, he said, just take your time, let them come in. And sure enough, you know, that's exactly what they did. Um yeah, so we tonight actually I cooked cooked some duck for the first time from these birds here and it turned out absolutely awesome. It's good. Awesome, man. Really, really good. Um what I did it was actually just something super simple. You know, by no means am I uh an adventurous chef or anything like that. So I, I try and keep things simple. Um, and keep it you know, not too out there, so the kids still enjoy it too. Something that they're sort of used to, but we've never—they've uh, never eaten duck before. So what we did is, I—I um, I took uh, four breasts in total, and I put them in just a salt and water mixture for uh, two days. And um, we took them out this morning, put them in the slow cooker, and then we mixed up half a cup of water with a package of French onion soup mix put that in with the chicken or with the the duck breasts. And um, where did we go from there? Then we added some onion in it and uh, a little bit of minced garlic and uh, two tablespoons of butter. That's it, that's all. Super simple, like nothing too extravagant there. Left it in there, cooked it on low for about five and a half, six hours. And man, that was the most tender meat I've eaten in a long, long time. Good. And you had told me the other day that- that the thing with duck and goose is um you can eat it. You don't have to eat it well, well done.
0: No, you should actually eat it rare because it's like a red meat.
1: Yeah. And so so this, you know, it wasn't well done. It wasn't rare by any means. It was probably like a medium well, but it fell apart. You didn't need a knife to cut it. And um, it's a red, red meat. And so, you know, Jackson, my six-year-old, he was a little wasn't too sure of it at first you know he wasn't too pumped that we're eating duck for supper um but you know by the time we he had on his plate had some mashed potatoes there and some and some carrots and you put a a chicken gravy on both and uh, he absolutely loved it finished the duck before anything else and i gotta say man it turned out very very good I wasn't too sure what to expect just with a simple, super basic, uh, you know, slow cooker recipe like this, but it turned out really well. And I highly suggest that guys, if you got a duck or a few ducks to uh, to eat, just try something super simple like that. The slow cooker is great. You can put it in at lunchtime and then, uh, you know, come supper, it's ready to go. Low and slow, baby.
0: Low and slow, that's <laughs> the key. So that's the
1: opposite of what I did today. I, yeah, what
0: uh, happened with you? Uh, we pulled out a, a chunk of goose. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of had a plan today to come home and, and put it in the slow cooker, the, the pressure cooker, and cook it for, you know, a couple hours. But something came up, so I sort of, uh, you know, lost all the time this evening. And I panicked a little bit, so I wrapped it in uh, some leftover call fat that I had from that deer. Oh, really? Yeah, so I kept some of that in the fridge. And so, uh, you know, I rinsed it, and I wrapped it up, and then uh, I added it. I started, uh, frying some onions and some mushrooms and a couple jalapenos. And then I put the, the goose wrapped in, in call fat in the frying pan, covered it and cooked it pretty low, like medium low heat, um, for probably 25 minutes.
1: And so did you have your jalapenos and stuff in the pan as well? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So by the end it was all like caramelized vegetables. Yeah.
0: Um, which was good, but, um, yeah, when it came out it was basically like chewing on a football really a super uh, tough it was pretty pretty rubbery Interesting. um like you could get it down it, it it wasn't dry but it definitely had a dry texture yeah um it didn't taste like anything like you know Katie she was like yeah it definitely tastes like a bird and i i couldn't Ooh, like i couldn't a, honestly taste like anything a, like turkey breast maybe or yeah um it didn't taste like anything to me it was just tougher than hell so yeah. next time i'm definitely not going to uh you know, try and quick
1: fry it. So you cooked it on about a medium heat?
0: Yeah, about a medium heat and, uh, for about half an hour, but it just wasn't, uh, like in hindsight, I probably should have sliced it up into little slices and then just sort of fried it that way. Yeah. Um, but I fried it as two chunks. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and it looked like backstrap, you know, like a chunk of backstrap. It looks exactly what it looks like. Uh, Even when you cut into it, it looks like a red meat. It looks like beef almost. Um, but yeah, no, it just was not, not good, uh. Not good texture. So have you eaten goose before? Um, not that I remember. Like maybe I'm sure I've eaten it growing up. Okay. And definitely eaten like lots of goose jerky and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've definitely not had like a like a, a just goose on my plate that yeah, I remember. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so did you cook both breasts or did you cook one side or what did you? We do? just cooked one side, just a chunk of it. Yeah, there's a good chunk, good good it's, bit of meat. there. It's
0: a lot of meat. Yeah. 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 So I think we're going to roast
1: roast a goose. Okay. Like actually slow cook the whole thing and yeah. see what happens. Do you ever do a, like a salt brine with uh, any of your meat? Um no. No, I
0: I've never, you know, I've once in a while. Yeah. Um when I tried beaver and muskrat, I soaked it in in cream.
1: Oh, I've never done that, but I've heard a lot of guys do that with ducks and grouse.
0: Yeah, the 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 fat is supposed to pull out like the gamey flavor. Um but yeah i've never really eaten birds besides chicken which i love the taste of chicken the way it is or grouse whatever you want to call it um but with this waterfowl i think that's the way to go is the salt brine
1: yeah so this year we've we've got a ton of grouse and um and i i uh i uh, that's what i've been doing with the birds is i've been uh, doing a salt brine holy smokes just blew the old smoke's lid off the, the big thermos there. Yeah, we, uh, we've we already downed a cup of coffee, so we brought a big thermos, so we got uh, more old smokes to fuel us through the podcast. But anyways, um, yeah, we've just got a ton of birds this year. And so it's important that, that the kids want to eat it. And so, um, you know, I noticed a lot of guys um do like a salt just a simple salt and water brine that's it for a day or two days and that's what i've been doing and um and everything's tasting really great they don't have like a a strong flavor to them it actually gets rid of some of the flavor um but the meat is definitely saltier like you definitely taste a saltier taste to it okay um and so we noticed that with the duck tonight and I've noticed that with, with the grouse each time we have it too, that it is considerably saltier and that's just because you're putting it in that brine. Um, but, um, you know, it might take something that, that isn't too great to taste pretty darn good. So that's what we've been doing and we've got a a ton of birds to eat, but I've never done anything like that with, you know, with a a big game or anything like that.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't find the need to do it. No,
1: definitely not.
0: A lot of people, you know, I, you talk to anybody about eating wild game. Um, Most people, you know, there's some mention in the conversation about game, gamey flavor, right? and i just really don't find that i've said it before i i taste uh i taste more of like a whatever you would call a gamey flavor or a a weird flavor when i eat like store bought beef and i can definitely tell <clears throat> definitely tell like store bought beef from you know what i'm used to eating is bear or deer or elk or moose whatever whatever it may be um it just tastes like that animal but there's definitely not a a gamey flavor that's uh you know bad or that i don't like uh grouse definitely has a little bit of a different texture than store-bought chicken Um, but i would say that's probably probably just like any of the other meats it's it's more of an active animal right it's not just sitting in a barn eating and not running around or anything
1: yeah so putting it in a brine really does help tenderize it a bit Mm. and it's definitely more tender i found um than just cooking it you know fresh
0: have you tried that with grouse
1: oh Put yeah a salt brine yeah yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure no i've been doing that all year oh, okay yeah yeah and and it's definitely more uh a little more saltier more of a saltier taste to it doesn't it taste like a denser meat though like it, like chicken compared
0: oh, to 100%. grouse versus like store-bought chicken 100 like store-bought chicken's like flabby
1: rubbery and then when you cook it it sort of just falls apart it's almost like fish oh, for sure compared and we to- um so we've we did like some ranch turkey hunts yeah. And, uh, you know, every Christmas you got a butterball turkey that just melts in your mouth. And so we get these, these fucking turkeys and uh, I'm just pumped up to eat them and cook them like we would a normal turkey. And man, it was like I was chewing on the sole of a boot. Yeah. I couldn't believe I'm like, okay, this is definitely not a butterball. <laughs> this getting turkey's tired from been, chewing? been doing a hell of a lot more than sitting on, her, sitting on a, you know, a little belt getting ready to get you slaughtered. So um but yeah you know that's that's wild game right you're eating uh uh basically an athletic animal yeah an athlete yeah compared
0: to eating you know like a but you feel it man
1: when you bite into a moose or or even deer meat you know a nice rare medium rare steak like you feel it you feel the energy get the energy yeah without a doubt And, uh, no, it's, it's, you know, extremely nutrient dense. And so I, I actually worry a bit that, you know, by doing these brines and sort of taking out some of the, the natural flavors and whatever you're taking out with that salt brine that you're losing a little bit of nutrients, but I don't, I don't know if you are or not. Um, but I'm always curious. Mm -hmm. Definitely way out of my realm of ideas or understanding. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, no, we've, we've been doing a, a really good panko shrimp breading for the, the grouse that has been really good and super simple. Just, um, you know, flour, egg and panko. And, um, then we fry it and they're just absolutely delicious. The kids love them, but we've actually eaten so much of the panko grouse that we're starting to get sick of yeah, it. Yeah. Um, like the other night we were out looking for deer and, um, you know, we're with the kids, so we're just covering ground and some old trails and whatnot. And so we tell Amy, I, I'm like, you know what, leave the 410 at home. We've got a, a freezer full of ducks and grouse. We don't need any. Um, We'll just bring your rifle. And if we see anything, great. And if not, we'll just go for, you know, in a little evening stroll. And sure enough, we see 30 grouse. And they all just stand there and look at us and they're, you know, 10 feet away, 15 feet away, eight feet away. In well, now,
0: now's the time to go because oh, for sure. the snow has just fallen, right? So they're out on the road. Yeah,
1: no, there's there was a lot of them um, and we we didn't get anything just because we didn't have the gun for it. But, um, you know, I was thinking too, like we've eaten so much of that panko grouse that we're almost to the point where we've had a little bit too much of it. <laughs> so it's time now to look into some different recipes um, I, I, really like working with like a, a mushroom sauce yep. with, um, I really like it with pork and, um, I like it with chicken as well. So we've done a few gross, uh, mushroom sauce meals there. Um, and I was thinking of trying it with duck as well. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll try that out and see, but, um, yeah, so tonight we cooked two ducks and I think I kept six in total. So we only have a couple more meals left, but, um... But yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, I'm not really one to just toss a whole bunch of stuff in a pan and fry it up. I've done that plenty of times, and most of the time it doesn't work out. And then I've got a family of kids and the wife, and and we got no food because I I, uh, pooched her, right? So, so. so yeah, you know, we'll uh we'll uh, try some new recipes here and uh, and see how that goes, but yeah, no, there's just been an absolute ton of grouse this year. And I've talked to a bunch of guys and they're all saying the same thing. So
0: uh yeah, now you got to get out and
1: get some fresh deer meat. Yeah. Yeah, well we got we got that one doe. And that was great. Oh yeah, great. that's right. I I always forget you got yeah, one. Yeah, and a good sized doe too. Yeah. So yeah, you just got your meat back. Have you eaten any of it yet? um, We, so yeah, the last day of our hunt, we were hunting, uh, you know, the the nearest town was High Prairie. So I had brought the dough that I got uh, a few weeks back with Jackson. I brought it to the butcher there. And on the last day of our hunt, they actually phoned me, said the meat was ready. So after the hunt, we went and picked up the meat, got home And um, they ended up butchering my bear for me. So we had some bear, we got bear steaks and we also got um, farmer's sausage made out of the bear as well. And then we got the deer, the deer we got peppered pressed jerky, which is absolutely phenomenal. Some of the best jerky I've ever had. It's very, very good. Usually we don't get pressed jerky. We usually, we get the the slice, slice yeah. but uh, no, I was very impressed with the jerky. Um, but other than that, we, we got steaks too, of course, um, but I haven't tried anything other than the jerky this far. So, um, so yeah, you know, we, we still do have, have a bit of deer meat in the freezer. It would have been nice to get a moose. That's, I was really banking on getting a moose, but um, you know, or an elk, a moose, or an elk, but uh, we'll we'll have to see. Times ticking, and right now, you know, my primary goal is to get a mature whitetail. This is the year. I am bound and determined, and um, so that's my game plan going forward. You know, we were supposed to supposed to be away this weekend doing a little family thing out in uh, in the national park, but uh, the weather is just absolute crap. It's supposed to be like minus twenty five there and blizzarding. So we thought, you know what? There's no point going if we're gonna be cooped up in the car so we uh, we're gonna do some hunting around town this weekend um, have the kids out and see if we can get Amy a deer and then after that you know it's it's my time to to try and get uh, you know a decent buck yeah so getting down to crunch time and get that last month of hunting season last ma- month of hunting season that's right and so um yeah it's too bad that that this is hey you know we only got four or five weekends left that's it that's all and um, yeah, there's a few hunts of places I'd like to go. Um, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to because, uh, cause time is very precious and, uh, the days are getting top, short, days are getting short, man. At the very top of the list right now, it's whitetail. And, uh, my best chance of getting a mature whitetail is going to the spots that I know. And, um, you know, all, uh, all around town here. So we'll see how she goes. And, um, and I have no doubts I'll, I'll get one this year, but, um, yeah, we don't know how soon. We'll just have to wait and see. I'm getting pumped up, though, to get back out. You're getting itchy for whitetail. Oh, yeah. 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 So I'm
0: still on the elk. I'm still hooked on the elk.
1: Well, you should be hooked on the moose. You got well, I two gotta tags. Wait. I got to
0: wait. I got three to fill. Three. My so brother, uh, what two. are we at right now? We're at the 22nd. 22nd. I got so 10 you got days. 10 days. Got 10 days. Yeah. And then it's availability. You know, I got to travel four hours. And, uh, you know, my brother's not free all the time. So we sort of have to figure that out but yeah i'd like to get a couple moose down this year that would be really good i'm definitely overdue
1: yeah without a doubt man
0: and uh yeah you know i've i still haven't knocked one down for myself so maybe yeah. maybe this is the year yeah i'm always i always keep low expectations for my own i like to say that i have terrible luck when i'm the one pulling the trigger um so other people are definitely first priority yeah. because one needs to hit the ground yeah
1: so. But you know you've got a draw tag and um, and yeah I know you got to uh, you got to put yourself first I think and uh, and just make her happen man.
0: Oh, well, I'll be itchy once there's once uh, I'm actually out there and yeah you know I gotta wait till November first. I had one opportunity when we were bow hunting this year that we talked about on two podcasts ago. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time I ever shot at a moose in oh. my entire life. You know I've guided couple dozen now at this at this point and uh, I've never never pulled the trigger on one myself until that day and you know that that didn't go so well so hopefully this November it's it's the year
1: yeah yeah hopefully um you know we went over all those moose hunts on that last podcast um I've had a little bit of elk action not much you're still chasing elk right now um but you got into some elk early on I had a ton you passed on a some ton elk of elk on. action early on and,
0: uh, yeah, I still don't regret it, but, you know, sometimes it, uh, it makes me a little sad that the decision I made not to pull the trigger so early happened? on. Let's,
1: let's hear that story. <clears throat>
0: so I think it was still August. I believe I had just gotten off the mountain the night before from my sheep hunt. Um, I think it was like the 28th of August. And so I headed straight for the elkwoods cause I didn't want to waste any time. And, uh, I was actually late. I can't remember. I was about a half an hour later than I wanted to be. So it was just starting to get to be shooting light. And I was headed into a patch of crown land that was sort of bordered by some farmland that I didn't have permission on. So being that it was light already, I figured, okay, well, I'll drive past the field and just see if there's anything standing in the field. I can potentially, you know, hunt once it moves into the crown, into the bush you know, as the daylight starts to starts to open up. And uh, sure enough, yeah, there's three bull elk standing in this field. No way. And this is the first hour of my elk hunt. Wow. And, you know, they're probably 900 yards away right on the tree line. So you've hunted this area before four elk, so you knew there were elk in there? I knew there was elk in the area, yeah. Um, the year before, so last year I hunted this area in November, and uh, I followed couple sets of bull tracks around for a few days and just never got on them um, but I knew there was elk in the area so
1: you must almost shit yourself when you're like I'm just gonna have a look and see well, if there's was, anything in here and sure enough there's. I was honestly bowls. mad
0: at myself I was sort of pouty and I had to drive from slave so I was about an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes away to the spot and I was about 15 minutes behind half an hour behind and so I was starting to get upset at myself that, like you know this is the first day and you're already late and this and that. So I'm like, okay, well I'm going to do, you know, do what I can right now and look in the field and then go back to my spot and go start my day. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, I'm like, that kind of looks like a few hay bales, but it's not a hay field. I put my binos up and about 900 yards out there's three elk standing there. And so this is the 28th of August. So I sort of expected to see bulls together or cows together not really, you know, not really that herd, uh, herd mentality quite yet. And so, you know, I loop back around. The wind was good from my access point where I parked my truck to walk into the bush on the crown land. And, uh, you know, the wind was blowing right in my face from where these elk were. So I figured it's still early. You know, I'm not the most experienced elk hunter. I'm just going to chirp my way through the bush towards them and just see if I can sort of run into them as they come back into the cover for, for the day. And, you know, it wasn't an hour from when I had spotted them. And I was just chirping, chirping, uh, sort of following elk trails, got onto what looked like a main trail. And then it started to get a little wet. And I got, I found a wallow. And I was standing on this big wallow and I was filming. And I sort of was talking to the camera. And it was, you know, a little bit windy. So my sound was covered pretty good. And uh, I was actually talking to the camera. And I look up. And it's in the video. I look up and I'm like, holy shit, there's a bull right there. And so I turn the camera around and I can see a bull standing broadside at about 25 yards. And I can't see his head, but I can see his antlers. And uh, I told myself going in, I'm like, it's got to be, you know, this is a three-point zone, but it's got to be a six-point bull. Like, I'm not going to shoot anything right away unless it's like a six-point bull. So trying to focus on filming... And also running my binoculars to sort of count the points. I couldn't really get a good look because of all the the leaves and the brush. And then I saw another bull. And this bull was looking right at me. And all I could see was his eyeballs and the bases of his antlers. So I didn't know how big he was either. And, uh, you know, they're both at about 25 yards. And so I I moved in where I could behind a big aspen tree. And then I just, I think I was just waiting. I might have been chirping a little bit trying to get him to move in. Still had good wind, and uh, the the first bull that was broadside started to step towards me, and so I knocked an arrow quickly and tried to focus the camera, and then he stood behind a spruce tree at about fifteen yards, and uh, you know I was at that point I was shaking and and just trying to keep a hold of myself, get get a good range on him, but keep the camera on him, and then trying to decide if I wanted to shoot him in the first you know hour and a half of my hunt. And then, uh, you know, he didn't present me a good shot, so I didn't draw back or anything. He sort of moved off. I don't know if he winded me or just saw something he didn't like. And then immediately after the second bull comes in, and he's standing in the same spot but behind the same tree, and he quickly sort of moves off. And then I think, you know, I think I blew it. I'm like, oh, I don't even know where the third one is. doesn't really matter. Um, And so I'm talking to the camera again. And then as I'm talking to the camera... I could all of a sudden, this third bull is like walking towards me, and he comes right into like 10 yards.
1: Holy smoke! And
0: so, the only thing between me and this bull now is like I'm standing on the edge of the wallow, there's one big aspen I was hiding behind with my face while the camera's sort of down below, and I'm running with my hand and I'm holding my bow with an arrow knocked. And then I'm looking at like basically looking at this elk in the eyes, and it's it's like a four point four by four, four by five, maybe. I think when I look back in the video. And, uh, I could have shot him for, you know, he stood there for like two minutes Wow! and I could have, you know, poked him right dead center in the chest. Yeah. Um, I think quite easily, but it was, like I said, the first hour and a half of my hunt. Um, and I just thought, you know, great, this is going to be the season, right? Yeah. This, I finally figured it out, right? Yeah. Like it worked script. The, the elk got the memo. They were right where they were supposed to be. Um... And then, yeah, I didn't have any other action for probably two weeks or two and a half weeks. Didn't see another elk at all.
1: Wow. Yeah, having having uh, action like that on your first day gives you pretty high expectations oh. yep, for the season Yeah, it sure ahead. does. And so my first day of elk hunting, we didn't see a single elk. We chased bears all day because that's all we've seen. And uh, the second day I went out, it was a similar situation where uh, – the guy I was with had got a arrow to bull the day before. And so I'm not too fond of going to the same spot where bull was just killed, but that's what we did. We went to the same spot and sure enough, you know, not uh, probably four or 500 yards from where he got his bull, we got into uh, a herd and they didn't make a sound until we were, you know, within 80 yards of them. And this was right around that September 5th, September 6th and there was three or four bulls in the herd, and then a whole bunch of cows, and I was in that herd for 45, 50 minutes. But spot and stock hunting, spot and stock filming is very tough, but then when you're spot and stock filming with a bow, it's nearly impossible. it's terribly hard. It's very (laughs) tough, right? So the issue I was having is, is we'd have a bull in front of me, I'd range him, okay, I'd get his range, get my camera on him, Get my bow ready, and by the time I'm ready, there they've moved ten feet, and they're just constantly moving back and forth. And uh, we were in a in a big, huge cut block, but it was grown in, so all you could see is their heads, basically. Every now and then, you get a glimpse of their body, but um, you know it just didn't happen. And I was in the herd for nearly an hour, and it just burnt my whole camera battery. And then they went silent for twenty-five minutes, half hour couldn't see them, didn't know where they were. Some of them ran off. So I'm like, you know what, let's back out, go to the quads, um, go. I was soaking wet because it had rained the night before. We, I said, we'll get some dry gear, get a new camera battery and go from there, get back to the quads, get our gear, head back in for the evening. And we just couldn't find them. And um, you know, that first morning, by the time I got back to the quad, I had such high expectations. Cause I'm like, man, like we were right in them. It's going to be like this, you know, each day, we're going to get one for sure in the next few days here. it just didn't happen hunted my ass off for like two or three days after that and um and that's just the way she goes right there's there's nothing you can do but when you're filming um in order to be successful filming your hunts the camera has to come first has
0: to come first right
1: it's like being a bow hunter but saying you know what if i have a chance with a rifle i'm going to shoot it but then you're never going to shoot anything with the bow
0: yeah, because you're always just gonna fall back you're on that rifle. fall back
1: on the rifle. So, um, so yeah, the thing with the camera, if if you don't get that that elk or that deer or that bird or that bear in the frame of your camera before you get it in the frame of your sight, well, you're never gonna get anything on film, right? Well, and I, so- I used
0: to think, you know, when we first started filming, I used to think. I you know, can't screw up the opportunity for the camera because then the opportunity won't happen. But if you don't get the opportunity on film, yeah. like if a bull comes in and you starts raking a tree, you don't want to set your camera up because you don't want it to stop raking the tree. Well, it doesn't matter because you didn't get the bull raking the tree on the camera. Yeah, exactly. So then you're going to be disappointed and so, anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and so, you know, some guys love to bow hunt because they like the challenge. But then you'll <laughs> have other guys saying, well, no, I love to rifle hunt just because, I like to film my freezer and I like, I to, like to shoot fuck things. Around. I yeah. don't like to use a bow. Um, but then you have guys who like to film. And a lot of people, several people have, have said that filming is no fun. It's made hunting not fun for them. Um, but, you know, you could say that about bow hunting. or you, could you, don't, say that... you don't
0: want to really film then.
1: Yeah, you don't want to film then. Exactly. Like, that's yeah, that's, exactly not, that's not what you're out there for then. Yeah, for sure. And, and then there's some guys who are saying, well, you shouldn't be out there to film. You should be out there to hunt. Well, the way I look at it is when I'm filming, yeah, I'm going to blow several opportunities. But that gives me one, two, three more opportunities and three more times to get back out after that animal.
0: Well, and I feel like blown opportunities like kill-wise or like what you would consider a failed hunt or a failed stock. It's never a failure if you got it on camera. Yeah, for sure. Because you're always happy. Like, fuck, I'm so happy I got that on film. For sure. Like, and it doesn't a- matter that it turned tail and ran away because yeah. I got it on film coming in and raking the tree.
1: Yeah. No, for sure, man. And, and without then, you know, them. you feel good anyway. And then when you do arrow something, it's almost surreal. Like Oh, you're like,
0: like my bears this spring. And yeah. And it was just like... <laughs>
1: I was looking back
0: at the footage like weeks later because I was sort of like, yeah, I got one on film, but then, you know, the rest of the story is going to be patchy. And then I was going back on looking through like weeks later and I'm like, I set the camera up. I got the first one. I self-filmed the whole first bear, you know, arrowed it, started cleaning it up, went back, um, you know, got onto the second bear. And then it was a rush. So I set my camera up and just walked past it. I'm like, maybe they'll still be in frame. Well, the whole damn thing was in frame for, you know, whatever luck I had that happened that day. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, there's just nothing like, holy shit, this whole thing is going to be, yeah. you know, it's there forever.
1: Yeah, no. Never going to forget it. It's super cool, man. I, uh, yeah, there's a lot of times we'll go back to the videos and just watch old videos and then to, to put them together in an episode when everything does come together and share that with people. That's just super rewarding, personally. I, I truly enjoy that. Um, and then when you have kids or, or even like special moments with friends, when they harvest something, you're all together. It's super cool to look back on that stuff. Photos are great, too. You know, I am photos are super, super important to me. When you have a deer, or a moose, or something that goes down, you know, I'm going to be there, or someone, I'm going to have someone there with the camera for, you know, a half hour, yep. an or hour you even. You look at those <laughs> pictures there, yeah. right? You got some incredible photos this year. And, you know, I wish that one of us was with you when you got yours so we could get some really good photos, but it just didn't work it's, out that way.
0: Yeah, it's just not how it worked out.
1: But, but uh, you got it on film, right? Yeah. So you still got something... Uh, you know, you still got something, um, to leave that hunt with, but, uh, yeah, you know, you got to put the camera first and, and, you know, I, I could have killed one of those bulls on day one, if I, if I put the camera away and, uh, but you know what, to me, it's not complete unless I get it on
0: film. Me neither. Yeah. And we've said it so much the last couple of years, we've both said, you know, I'm not killing it unless it's on camera. I'm not going to pull the trigger unless it's on camera.
1: So that's when I hunt personally for myself. Yeah. But when I'm hunting with my wife and my kids, um, I'm not worried about the camera. Like the camera is, is with me on every hunt when I'm by myself. But when I'm with the wife and kids, um, the camera, I don't even bother with the camera because it is a lot of work and I don't want to put that on them and, and sort of dampen their hunt. Um, now Jackson he's getting super comfortable in the camera like he'll talk to the camera like I do and everything else and he he enjoys that Um, but um, you know when I'm with the family and we're doing a a grouse hunt or even a deer hunt for Amy or something like that I don't mess around with the camera I'll bring it along if we see something and I want to film it but I don't I don't uh, run it like I do on on my own personal hunts
0: yeah, neither do I. You know, I always have, anytime I'm hunting, I have the camera with me. Um, but I definitely, you know, I'm more about taking pictures for people. You know, if I'm out with my brother or my family, my parents, whatever, <clears throat> I'll pack my DSLR. Yeah. And I'll take photos for people. Because, you know, the, the video camera can be a little much or a lot much for people. For sure. Um, You know, it's just that feeling like you're being watched. Yeah. When you, you sort of have to remember that, you know, none of this might go any, it might not do it we might not do anything with it most of it won't yeah (laughs) and uh and you know that's just something we've gotten used to because we've been behind it the whole you know for a few years now um but yeah it's it's a lot for people that you know just aren't into that yeah and and the hunt is definitely more important because you don't want to spoil the hunt because you want to get something on film you don't want to spoil somebody else's hunt Mm, without a
1: doubt no without a doubt and i um like I always try and lay the ground first if I'm going hunting with somebody or, you know, if I'm going hunting with somebody and it's a hunt that, that I've planned and, and they're shooting or vice versa and just try and clear it right off the bat. Like, hey, I'm going to film this. Are you OK with that? Or do you want me to film this or should we not or should we? And um, and then that way you're on the same page. Right. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no. When it all does come together, it is super rewarding. But you know, like you said, um, I would probably say eighty percent of the, the or even more than that, probably ninety percent of the stuff you film or that we film, won't go to air. Like
0: yeah, won't we'll make it an or episode, probably or probably even anything. more than that. Yeah,
1: like you think how many hours we fill up on memory cards for one 22 minute episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, but with that being said, you never know when something's gonna happen, right? So we always have that camera in hand, and yeah. Um, and yeah, when it does come together, it's it's super rewarding. And when
0: you are focused on filming, like um, one thing I've totally committed to myself is when I'm hunting for myself and I'm filming, the camera's in my hand, yes, all the time. Yeah, you've seen it.
1: Bo, Bo is strapped Bo to your is, backpack, or Bo in is other either hand.
0: strapped to my backpack or in my other hand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even when I went on, uh, even when I go sheep hunting, I have one trekking pole yeah. and the camera and the oh, tripod really? are in my other hand. Okay. Um, you know, I went with these guys here two weeks ago and, uh, you know, Manny Boreal Huntsman, he, yeah. he said, man, you're crazy. You're just going to pack that thing. I'm like, man, if I don't pack it, it's not coming it's off not my coming back. Off. yeah. And if, you know, you fall in the creek, I want to get that shit on film. Yeah. And it's not going to happen if it's strapped to my back. Yeah. And, uh, I really picked up. a a real enjoyment for just filming too yeah and i think that's just part of the guiding and it's sort of filled the time this year for sure um you know being able to go with those guys or going with you you know this spring and filming your bear hunt um it's good because it's just like guiding except you know i'm more inclined to keep my mouth shut and just let it (laughs) sort of roll out and be behind the camera um Mm -hmm. but i just like being there and uh running the cameras you know
1: definitely a passion now so. yeah no it's it's uh it's something else um so my expectations of you know the size of animal has definitely lowered um since i've been hauling a camera around like if i if i i told myself if i had a chance at a legal bull and i've got it on film and i've got my bow in hand i am taking that shot because
0: well that's a good control for you know when you go into a hunt, you're always like, okay, well, what's my expectation? Like, what am I going to shoot? Um, you know, if you have a limited limited time slot, maybe you're thinking like, okay, I'm not going to pass on something the first day that I'm going to want to shoot on the last day. Yeah. And I say that to a lot of guys when they come up to hunt for my guided hunts is, you know, don't pass on a small bull that you might shoot on the last day. That might be all you see just because that's the way it works out. Um, but when you're filming, that's a good control for me because I can say... If you know, if it's a good bull or it's three points or five points, whatever it is, whatever type animal we're talking about, if it's on film, I'm gonna shoot it.
1: Unless it's an elk on the first day. In, but that's the first <laughs> day, right? Yeah. And yeah, I and sort so of that-
0: have that, you know, the the weapons sort of put away on the first day, unless there's okay. a, you know, something that's just totally unbelievable. But For sure. I'm always I'm always way way more worried that I'm gonna end my hunt too soon then i'm gonna go home empty-handed like i like going the distance yeah you do i would love to do a 10-day hunt and tag out on the last hour of the last day wow because then that's you know you get to experience the whole thing i'm not the type of person to um you know shoot first thing first thing you see first thing in the morning even if it was like something absolutely unbelievable i'd still have that hesitation yeah yeah I was like no, I still want to hunt. I don't want it to be over you yet. You like
1: exploring. I don't want it to be over yet. And you're yeah. a tree stand guy. I've noticed. Like you got to cover ground and explore ground. And
0: it's it's a commitment to sit in a tree for me. Yeah. Like I have to. I do more hype, like hyping myself up, self motivation for sitting in a tree for like a day or an afternoon than I do for like a sheep hunt now. Wow. Because a sheep hunt, I'm just like, okay, hey, if I don't forget any gear, and I have the right clothing for the weather, I'll be fine. Yeah. You know, it's gonna suck, but I'll be fine. But sitting in a tree, it's like, am I gonna go crazy? Am I gonna fall asleep? Am I just gonna get out and walk around anyway? So then I end up packing shit for walking, and then I, you know, it only takes two hours, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna go for a walk. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's tough for me to sit in a tree.
1: Yeah, so that 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 old rule where they say don't pass up on something the first day that you would shoot on the last, um, you know, when it comes to elk and moose. One hundred percent, I agree with that. And oh, especially that's, if and you got my say role. like a long weekend, and that's all you got. Yeah. And now I'm talking general tags because if I yeah. draw, if I draw a draw tag next year, which I've waited five, six, seven years for, now we have a trophy tag. You're gonna be a little bit picky. And so now, you know, this is my time to try and get a decent bull, and that's fair. Yeah, but a tag that we get every year, um, like yeah so so when it comes to the archery moose archery elk even a general elk i feel i don't have enough under my belt yet that i can be extremely picky with them and we get to take you know, every year, but it's, it is a tough tag to fill. Like, it's not like a whitetail tag or a bear tag to fill, right? It's definitely tougher. So if I have an opportunity at something on the first day, first hour, I'm taking it. Um, We're lucky in Alberta because we have a lot of opportunities. So if I fill that moose tag, well, I still have five, six other tags to fill. Or if I fill that elk tag, vice versa, right? Um, But when it comes to deer or bear, they are plentiful enough that I feel like I can be picky until the last my last three or four days of hunting when it comes to my last three or four days of hunting that is when the time comes you know if i have the chance at you know a last day deer on film i'm taking it um so i
0: always think though like i'm always in the back of my head it's always like oh but there might be something bigger like right after yeah
1: for sure and I've, i've had that before 2018 i hunted my butt off all year in the tree stand Last couple days, I'm like, "Hey, okay, man, this is it. I got to get out of the stand. I got to get on those cut blocks. I got to rattle. I got to call. It's mid-November. It's cold. We got to find a buck. And sure enough, I spotted a couple small ones in the morning. I let them be, walked around, covered some ground, went. My quad actually broke down on the cut line. And I said, hey, this is my last day. I'm going to go hunt. I'm not just going to leave my quad there. I'll deal with it tomorrow. I'm going to hunt. And sure enough, small buck came. I shot it. Got it and it was a nightmare to get it out because it was way back in the cut block. I didn't have my quad. But anyways, I get back to the so I shoot the deer and I get back to the main cut line. And there's still about 15 minutes of hunting light. And sure enough, what crosses the cut line, but like a big bodied buck, like a good sized buck. But I wouldn't have seen that deer from where I was sitting. Yeah. So you know, I didn't get too rattled about right. it. It definitely, you know, it struck my mind that hey, like there's a nice deer, a lot bigger than the one I shot. But um, you know, I don't get hung up on that because it was the last day. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, you want to get something as mature as possible. Um, and so, if you're hunting your your tenth last day or your ninth last day, you know you still have several days ahead of you. So there is an opportunity that you're going to get something. Um, so. So I'm a little more picky with with deer and with bear. I'm at the point now with bear where I've got pl- a ton of bears that I will go, if I don't see a mature bear, have an opportunity I want in a season, I just won't shoot. Yep. Um, and I haven't came to that point yet because there's so many bears around that we've been very fortunate. Um, you know, almost every bear we've got, we've got good mature bears, you know, nice colors to them um, just good size bears. Yeah. So, um, bears, I'm at the point now where I can be picky, right? And um, that's
0: how I felt this year. And, and, you know, I passed on a lot of bears this spring. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I was lucky enough to be rewarded with patience and, sure. and filled my both tags in you know, in two hours on, For sure. on, I always, I said this year mm-hmm. and I said, most of last year, I'm not going to shoot another bear unless it's a colored bear yeah. or it's absolutely ginormous. And, uh, you know, this spring I passed on a ton of bears. Um, but I think, you know what, maybe get, maybe you getting that bear that I hunted for four yeah. years, yeah. um, a color bear that I hunted for four years sort of gave me some good karma. Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, I was rewarded with a,
1: you know, a double color bear. But. Yeah. No, and that's super cool. And you know what? I I used to always like you, you hear guys, they, they, they're filming, or they see a 150-inch white tail in front of them, and everyone's like, why didn't you shoot it? Why didn't you shoot it? And they, you know, they're sort of smart about it, and they're like, you know what? Why would I shoot it? I, I can't kill a 180 if I kill this 150. And I always thought, like, okay, hey buddy, come on. You can kill the 150. That's a great deer. Yep. But then I'm sort of understanding the logic behind that, because... You can't kill a 180 if you end your season with that 150 in November. That's right. And there's guys now who have got to that point where they've killed so many big deer. You know, they don't have to kill a deer every year if it means that they might have an opportunity well, later on in a And you hear one.
0: about it every time they kill something huge? Yeah. But you don't hear about it when they don't kill anything that's at true. all, and so <laughs> that's these true. guys look like total rock stars. That's but true. you look back and they kill a deer maybe every three years.
1: Yes, a big deer every three years. Right,
0: and and a lot of some of these guys now, um, even guys on our team, you know, they kill something huge every year. Yeah, but they're the like the elite of yeah of well, whatever it is, he, luck and skill and and scouting and time and, and effort. That's, that's what
1: it is, man. It's um, it's the time and effort that you put in, but
0: everything has to. You know, the animal has to make a mistake too. Yeah. And uh, so all of those things falling together in place perfectly, you're out
1: there enough. It's bound to happen. For sure. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And that's why I'm I'm very serious and, and contemplating just going 100% into whitetail for the rest of the season. Like, yeah, I could sneak off a few days here and there for elk, but then I'm pulling away from whitetail, yep. right? And you know what? And you kind of know that the first day you're out of that stand is the day your trail camera picture is going to send exactly. you a picture of that <laughs> buck in that stand, right? Exactly. And so, you know, I feel right now, I feel like I'm getting into crunch time. And, you know, this isn't prime time for elk, and it's only going to get worse for elk going forward. Now, I had I talked to a guy today at the shop. He showed me a video. He had bulls bugling, screaming right at him, raking trees, running in at 15 yards on October 20th, right? So they're they're still screaming. They still uh, are looking for cows. But every week you wait, it's going to get a little tougher, a little tougher. And, um, you know, right now, I need to get something decent under my belt. I need to get something good on film. So rather than divvying up my time and trying for elk, I think just 100% into whitetail and um, and hang the elk tag on the Christmas tree. Yeah, fair (laughs) enough. That might be what it takes. You know, that might be what it takes, right? And then um, I don't know, but it would be nice to do a cat hunt this December. Um, You know, we'll have to wait and see about that. But I'm definitely going to plan... A hog hunt for March again. You know, it's been two or three years now since we did one. I think the last one we did was in two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. It was a while ago. It's been a few years. Yeah, and so I'm I'm thinking of doing that in March, and we'll get a, a good episode out of that. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I think the elk and moose, as sad as it is to admit, I think uh, I think they might be right off for this year. But yeah. it, hey, if it means that the extra time gives me uh you know a better chance of getting a decent buck i think it's worth it well if you
0: set your goal for the big whitetail um and you hunt it hard you're not going to be that disappointed if you don't end up you you know the reality of of hunting you know giant whitetails you know you might go home and hang that whitetail tag on the christmas tree too but if you put all your time and days into it yeah um you know go the distance either way you're going to come out of it you know, better than if you just sort of slacked off and decided to go hunt elk for
1: the last couple days and didn't see anything. Yeah. No. And, and, you know, time is so limited. Um, I never feel like I haven't, I spend enough time in the field and, and, and realistically, I like, I spend as much as I can, but I'm not out there for weeks at a time. I just, unfortunately I just can't. Um, so, You know, I got to stack the odds in my favor. Early on, it was moose, and we hunted hard for that. And you know what? I was awarded with some opportunities that I should have sealed the deal on. I should have. But uh, my nerves got the best of me. My, You know, I should have been shooting my bow more in the summertime. Um, And and there's some stuff I got to work on. And that, uh, it showed. You know, I was awarded two good opportunities at bulls, and uh, I didn't seal the deal. Um, you know, the elk, I gave it a solid effort. It just, it didn't happen this year with them. But, um, you know, this is my time for whitetails. I'm not sold on on the bow or the rifle. I'm, I'm open to whatever. If I'm going to be hunting the tree stand, I'll be using my bow. If I'm going to be hunting cut blocks um, and covering ground, I'm using the rifle. Because at the end of the day, um, I got to get something on film. And, and, you know, I'm not after a giant buck, but if I can get a respectable 140-inch deer, I'm going to do that all day long I'll shoot that deer whether it's a the first day or the last day for sure so so yeah you know um we'll see how it goes I'm feeling good though like I haven't sat in the stand once this year not once and sort of on purpose because usually by this time I've spent 15 days in the deer stand and um and the deer start to catch on to things a bit right so I haven't spent a day in the deer stand I haven't even climbed up there so Um, that spot I think is going to be fairly decent. And then I found some other new, uh, new spots as well, but I've only got, I've got two tree stands hung up. Um, so, you know, once this weekend passes, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be go time for me and I got to figure out what I'm going to be doing, but I am pumped right up to get back out there, man. Can't wait. Yeah. I don't have any, you know,
0: I don't have any whitetail spots. You know, I have some old reliable spots. Um, but I haven't done any, any camera setting or any, you know, my tree stand's been in the same spot for a couple years. I did sit in it earlier this year when I had some shitty weather elk hunting and saw a really good whitetail. Um, so that's, you know, I like to sit in a blind though if I'm going to sit for whitetail.
1: Blinds are so much more comfortable and they're better for filming too. Um, but the only issue is if you're hunting bush, you can't really use a blind because you can't see anything. No, it's You've tough. You've got to be elevated. You
0: have to have some sort of uh, some sort of clearing or opening pipeline trail, yes, whatever. Yes, you got to be
1: in a cut block or cut line or something like that.
0: Um, but this year, you know, I'm going to be so busy come November with uh, the moose thing. Um, you know, there's some elk in that area too. I could get really lucky this year, and I hope I sort of do. But uh, I know I always feel like there's lots of time for whitetail because there's just whitetails everywhere. And uh, I really like to leave that whitetail to that last week in November just yeah. for something to do. Um, so in a
1: perfect world, how is your season going to play out for the, the remaining five weeks?
0: So in a perfect world, I'm going to go out on Saturday and I'm going to kill an elk.
1: This Saturday? This Saturday. Saturday the then 24th. S- then
0: Sunday, my brother's going to come with me and he's going to kill an elk. Um, you know, might kill a whitetail doe if we have an opportunity. Um, you know, he really wants to get a bear if there's still any bears out there. Unfortunately, it's pretty cold now and there's some snow, so there might not be so much for bears. Um, then once November rolls around, you know, we're going to knock down one, two, three moose and, and a few more whitetails and that would be the perfect world. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I definitely going to hunt hard for myself for moose this year. Um... But you know, we do have a couple tags to fill in different zones. So.
1: so, is your last week in November reserved for whitetail or is that open for moose if you still haven't filled the moose tag? Oh,
0: that's definitely definitely still open for moose. Moose is going to be a priority. I'm just hoping I can get it done sooner rather than later. Um, but and I'm, so one one moose down of the 3 you
1: guys is a success.
0: Oh, definitely any moose down is a success. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're we're going to hunt, you know, I I know my brother's really committed to hunting hunting his moose this year because he's actually drawn a moose tag several times and, uh, you know, it was sort of, he, he drew it a few years when I was guiding. And so I only had time to take him out like one or two days. Um, you know, my dad doesn't really hunt a whole lot anymore. Um, but you know, he's drawn a couple times and really he feels like he hasn't really gotten a real opportunity to chase moose. Yeah. Um, so he's very committed this year to like get after it and he knows that I have the time yeah. the availability to go with him. So, uh, Yeah, we're going to hunt his hard. His is close to town, so it's not too bad. It'll be good for, you know, little day trips. But uh, that area I have to hunt, you know, it's four hours, so. Yeah. And so his
1: zone, was it undersubscribed? Nope. It usually is that late season for that zone, is it not?
0: Um, I'm not sure. Okay.
1: And uh, how many priority did it take to get that one?
0: I think he had two. Oh,
1: he didn't draw a tag last year? No. I thought he did. Okay. No. Interesting.
0: No, I, I drew a tag last year. Um, but And how uh, does he
1: feel about filming hunts? Uh,
0: he's fine. Like, he doesn't, you know, I always sort of have the camera for the action. Like, yeah. I don't really film it. Like, I don't have him talking to the camera. I don't do a whole lot of talking to the camera when I'm with him. Yeah. It's more of just, like, if you have a shooting opportunity, I'm going to try and get yeah, it on, get on film. film.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool thing with that sort of stuff is that's great for social media to put up on. Oh, exactly. Or if we're doing, like, a... You know a moose episode with just a bunch of moose short well, mini moose hunts and kills and stuff like that you and can do we've
0: that. learned this year and i've you know i don't even know how many times i can count now that uh the filming has actually helped us with the tracking oh yeah or the just knowing what actually happened in the moment
1: yeah without a doubt
0: um you look at your moose that you shot at both of them you look at the moose that i shot at if it wasn't for the footage we wouldn't have known what actually happened. Yeah. Right?
1: Um, yeah, I, when you released that arrow and your moose ran, I didn't know what happened. And he ran along a tree line and I thought he was going to topple over because he just stood there for a bit. Didn't yeah. keep running. And you told me, you're like, man, I thought I hit him. I thought I cranked him. And you, if that bull wasn't looking at you, if he was looking away and didn't know you released an arrow, that would have been a dead moose, man. That would have been dead moose every single day. But he looked at you as soon as you stood up, he started to duck. You released your arrow, and it actually deflected off his back. You see the arrow shoot up in the air, puff of hair, and uh, yeah, thank God for that camera because you yep. see the red luminoch. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's just the way she goes, man. That's and, crazy. And behind the bow, you know,
0: I thought I smoked him, and uh, and you know, even even your moose that you shot at, we you know, I didn't see it because I was filming and running a rangefinder. Yeah. Um, but you know, you said like, man, I'm, I think I freaking cranked him, And then we didn't, you know, if it wasn't for the footage to see that it wasn't, the, the arrow didn't at least go where we thought it went. Yeah. Um, we,
1: you know, we would have been wondering forever. Yeah. That, I still don't know what happened, man. That really bothers me that one, but that's the way she goes. Now right? if you do it
0: long enough, it's like, bound we, to happen. We went
1: back the next day and looked just for even a speck of blood and couldn't find nothing.
0: Yeah. No, I think, you know chances are it was the same sort of situation because that bull ducked just yeah. the same as the one that I shot at. Um, you know, so either a deflection or in that little no man's land or, mm. you know, he might have a bit of a wound. But yeah, that's, a little high.
1: That's the thing with moose, man. You've got, if you hit higher than the halfway mark on their sh- on yeah. their, their You got shoulder. to shoot
0: the bottom third of their body, yeah. basically.
1: Yeah. Because half of their body is just meat and bone at the top half. Yeah. No, i seen uh Seen a guy online was asking about frontal shots with the bow.
0: I did see that too.
1: Yeah. Um, have you ever taken a frontal shot with the bow on anything?
0: Um. Nope. No, not with the bow.
1: Yeah, no, either have I. You've got a pretty small target. Like if that animal moves one step left, one step right. The thing is, like if you can hit a target at 50, 60 yards, great. That target isn't moving though. Yeah,
0: that target's not going to take a step on you.
1: And that's the issue you have with with archery gear, right? Is is that animal has a split second to take one step, and then you're going to be you're going to be off. Your moose, he ducked in less than a second. He had dropped eighteen inches, eighteen inches from the time you released that arrow. And um, if he wouldn't have, you would have uh, you would have smoked him. But um, but yeah, that's. Uh, that's archery hunting, man. I love it. I love hunting with the bow because it means I got to get in a little bit closer. And just because just the the whole thing of drawing that arrow back, you know, getting set. Um, It's, uh, yeah, it's I've, something else. I've
0: definitely gotten into some opportunities um, to see some stuff that I wouldn't have if I wasn't carrying a bow. Yeah. Because with the rifle, you know, you have that inclination to sort of sit back and wait like, it's only got to come out 100 yards in front of me. Yeah. Um, but with a bow, you really got to get in there. And especially with elk, you know, you learn that you have to be on top of them. Yeah. And to have elk at 5 yards or 10 yards or even 20 yards, um, and you can see them breathing, and you can basically feel their it's very vibration intense, in man. the ground.
1: It's very, very intense. There's absolutely
0: the nothing like it. And you're holding, you know, a piece of carbon and a string and a little fiberglass arrow, and you're thinking, yeah. like, man, it's me versus me. him. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you know what? I think what it is with me too is is it's almost like I'm thinking now, it's intense. It's almost a little bit too intense because I haven't been I haven't experienced that enough. Like I have quite a bit, right? Like I've
0: well, so how how did you feel I, I, with that moose when that moose came in? And fucking intense. Because that man. was like I've told you about it I, I a felt, bunch of times in the shop, yeah. what it's like. It was but crazy. When, it actually but happened, when when
1: when he was grunting and he came in, um, I felt calm, cool, like I felt I felt ready. And then I drew back and and But do you remember anything anything that I said to you while we were standing there? For the most part. what'd oh, okay. you say to me?
0: Like just, just walking you through everything. Like- Everybody's
1: saying K he's at twenty, he's at twenty, and then I ranged a bush before he came out. And I ranged the bush at thirty. And then so I I, I used my 30 pin, mm-hmm. and that's that was the very first mistake I made. Very first mistake I made. Second mistake I made is as soon as I seen him, I drew back. Yeah. But the issue was there was a giant patch of willows right in front of his vitals, and he stood there for a minute. And, and his head. Like,
0: I don't know if you could see
1: his I head, but I couldn't head. see his head either. So he no, couldn't see us. He couldn't see us. So my second mistake is I drew back, or that would have been the first mistake, is I drew back as soon as I seen him. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have drew back when I had a shot opportunity. Just as I was about to put my bow down, he stepped out. Mm-hmm. So then I pulled the remainder again, put my 30 pin on him, and phew, Like, I, I wasted no time. I should have taken my time. And, um, and I blew it. So, you know, I haven't... Every time you experience something like that, you get something out of it. You definitely, and you have to; otherwise, you'll never be a better hunter. Oh, and, and so I reflect on on every single opportunity, whether it was a success or not, and um, and if if I was always to say, take something out of it.
0: If I was to say anything about that situation, is we rushed it, rushed it, and yeah. that was it. Because the thing with moose, and I've learned it, you know, my first year guiding was my first real experience getting a bunch of moose to sort of come in and, yeah. and, and really experience them. And I learned very fast um, that you don't need to like pull that trigger right away. The thing with moose are they, you know, they don't see very well. They hear really well um, and they smell really well. But if, you know, a, a moose isn't really like an elk or a deer where he's going to like spot you do that whole deer in the headlights look and then turn tail and run. It's a big animal And it's bigger than any other animal that's out there. So they tend to sort of be curious. And even if something spooks them, you know, moose are notorious for running five yards and then just turning broadside again. And, uh, you know, in a situation where he was standing behind that willow, um, like you said, if you hadn't been at full draw already, you would have been a lot more prepared. Yeah. But we had that whole meadow that he was walking out into. Mm -hmm that uh you know even if you missed that window first there is there would have been would have been a whole nother shot shot opportunity potentially right
1: and that's and that's what i think it boils down to is i just haven't experienced that enough and so if there's you know like i've never experienced anything like that
0: but to have it at 18 yards and you're almost looking up at it you're like oh like i have to be ready yeah you get that feeling like it i can't miss my
1: the beat right yeah i'm a full draw full draw okay K, is he gonna step out step out no he's not i'm about to put down and i he told you i'm like hey shoot boop.
0: i told and you then to then put down i was like he's not moving let down yeah because i didn't want you to be all you know stressed out from holding it for a minute you held it for probably 45 seconds for to a while. minute yeah like it was a long time
1: and it didn't feel like 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 it was like nothing right yeah. but you know um yeah no that's just you know it's freaking intense man and so i like I, I love rifle hunting because, you know, you have some of the intensity is taken away because that animal isn't breathing right on top of you. And, you know, if that animal runs 20, 30 yards, well, you can still poke them with a, with a bullet, right? So um, I like that. I love just the, the reassurance of knowing that, hey, if this animal is at 40 or if this animal is at 140 I'm going to have a good opportunity, right? As long as it's not running or, or whatever. So um, I love, that's what I love about rifle hunting. But spot and stock bow hunting is something that um, that I haven't experienced enough of. And um, like even the whole elk thing this year with the camera and everything else, there was just too much going on for me to 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 kill one of those elk, you know, like running the camera, running the range, um, having my bow and just trying to get in between the collar and the the elk like it was it was a lot and um, and yeah you know but every time you have a a missed opportunity or something like that it's just you got to reflect on it you can't dwell on it but you got to take something from it and um, I've definitely felt like over the last five or six years like I used to be the guy who's who's covering ground and you you see something and you get out and and before you even know, you know, how many points it has, you shoot it, right? Just because that's just if it's brown, it's down. If it's brown, it's down, right? So but as you get out there and as you experience wildlife more um, You learn to just slow down a little bit, experience things, just take it in. Um, but when it comes to spot and stock archery hunting, I'm still as green as, as most, right? Um, like, I've experienced a lot, especially this season. We had a lot of really great encounters, um, but that's just going to make me even more prepared for next year. Oh, for sure. But I got to get behind that target more and fire the bow. Um, I just got to fling more arrows and and that's it. I just haven't committed enough time to, uh, to that, but, um, and, and I just got to start, I got to start. So, and,
0: uh, you know, this year I sort of, well, with getting the new bow, I've always liked bow hunting. That's how I started. I mean, when we were kids, we were only rifle hunted, but when I, you know, when I turned 16, I picked up the bow, I got my driver's license. That was, I hunted every single day I possibly could. And the only way I could do it was with a bow. Yeah, you could legally couldn't hunt with a rifle by I leg- yourself. I legally couldn't hunt with a rifle. So, you know, I sat in, in you know, shitty old blinds that I bought from a garage sale. You know, I had this old pop-up blind that didn't even, it wasn't even big enough to put a lawn chair in. So I, you know, scraped the snow away and I sat in that, like that whole first year of November, as, as many days as I could from dark to dark. And, uh, you know, I only had one opportunity to draw back on a buck and uh, it fell apart and you know ever since then i've just committed to keeping the bow in my hand um you know and then i started guiding so i lost most of my seasons for you know a few years but this year getting that new apa bow has uh definitely brought the confidence back to my archery and that's all i want to take with me i almost i've almost equated rifle hunting now to like road hunting okay and I've sort of done that on purpose in my own head to, like, stay committed to the bow. Yeah. Like, no, if I do it with a rifle, that's too easy. Like, then I'm just another guy that shot one with a rifle. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, then I'm just another guy that shot one from the road. Um, But, yeah, you know, I have packed the rifle. I do
1: pack the rifle in the mountains um, for sheep. But. Uh, so this moose hunt in November when it's freezing cold and you're...
0: I think I'm going to pack both. You got, you're um, packing both. But I'm going to have the rifle strapped to my back and have the bow in hand. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, I just really want to do it with a bow this year. Um, you know, I've gotten my bears with the bow. I haven't gotten a deer yet. Um, this whole elk thing, I'm sort of on the fence. Um, I feel like I feel like elk have pushed me around enough this year that they might just I might just have to pack the rifle. Yeah. Um, but it's hard for me to leave the bow at home
1: it just really is so um if you have an opportunity like you did in September where you see a bull moose in a cut block and it's 80 yards away 90 yards away or 100 yards away are you going to grab the bow put a stock on it or are you going to grab your rifle and put it down um I'm gonna this isn't your last day this isn't your first day this is right in the middle of the week Oh, I'm taking it with the bow. Really, eh?
0: Um, You know, if it's going to be a decision on the fly if I'm packing both. Like, if it's a gargantuan moose, and I'm like, oh, I really need to shoot that moose, and there's no real way to stock in on it, then, yeah, I'm probably just going to take the shot. Um, But, you know, that moose that we saw in September, as soon as I saw that moose, I saw that big brush pile in front of it. And that was just, like, clicked in my mind instantly, like... I can just get there. He won't even see me getting there. Yeah. So that's going to cover half my distance instantly. So I was like, a stalk would be a great idea here. The, I, obviously, we had no other choice because it was archery season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in November, if it comes to the same situation, if that moose is standing in that same spot, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm crawling to that brush pile and I'm going to put a stalk on it. Yeah. Um, I would love for my first moose or elk to be with a bow. For sure. And, uh, you know, I do shoot my bow lots more, way more than my rifle and, uh, probably a little bit more confident with the bow than the rifle at this point. Cause I haven't shot it in so long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when, when, uh, when it gets down to crunch time, it is, it's hard to, to not pull out the
1: rifle. Yeah. No, without a doubt.
0: Especially when the difference is like say 30 yards, you know, you can shoot something at 80 yards with a gun pretty easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you but know you have, tough to, shot with the bow. you have to you have to get into tough. like fifty yards 50, to shoot it yeah. with the bow.
1: Yeah. Well, you've got some decisions to make and
0: um I'm just hoping to see some game. You know, yeah. the, the decision is that's minor in the
1: moment. I just yeah. hope so you're packing uh, both though. Don't get skunked. Both in the camera.
0: Well, if I don't if I have somebody with me, I'll have the bow only. Yeah um you know like if katie's with yeah, me she has sure, a tag too a
1: tag or your brother yeah
0: so yeah. if i'm hunting with my brother obviously he's hunting i'll be you know filming i might be packing a rifle for a deer or yeah. something but uh yeah if, if me and katie are hunting together i'll be packing the bow she'll have the rifle
1: yep yeah. and uh that'll just be how it is yeah for sure well awesome man it's uh you know it's going to be an interesting next uh, few weeks this is it five more weeks of uh of the fall hunting season after ungulates and that's it that's all till next year yeah, it's going by crazy fast. Crazy to think, man. Already Absolutely halfway through. You know,
0: it, it's only a week past halfway through, though. That's also crazy.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, you think oct- middle you of October is sort November of halfway, gonna fly plus or by, minus though. a week. Yeah, November's going to fly by. But well, the, uh, the days are half as long, and it's cold. Yeah, yeah, it's cold. Well, guys, we want to wish everybody all the best for the rest of the season. Um, we're going to keep trying to stay up to date with these podcasts, and we hope you are enjoying them. Um, I wanted to say thank you to everybody who, uh, commented and contributed on our latest giveaway. Um, we released the winners to that, uh, actually the day we are recording this, um, the 23rd is when we will be releasing the winners to that. So once this is released, um, that contest will already be come and gone. But, uh, thanks everybody for contributing to that and, uh, all the best this hunting season.